All right, as the Socceroos commit crimes against humanity on the Bangladesh national soccer team, we are here talking about the last round of the AFL season for Collingwood. Well, for Collingwood's, v- for Collingwood's AFL side, VFL side still has obviously a lot of promise and hopefully a long finals campaign to run. But still a lot to discuss and plenty to be happy about, I guess, um, especially after this weekend's football. Isn't that right, GC? Oh, absolutely. Very happy to uh, to you know end Geelong's era, so to speak, and um, sort of match their old veterans against our young kids coming up. And uh, we needed a bit of good news after you know such a lot of effort with so little return of recent times. And I really think we got that last Friday night. With it, just it's put a spark back into the expectation. Absolutely, and I think there was a negative feeling as a general rule, and not that you know that that uh, the win over Geelong uh, goes about remedying um, what's been missed this season, um, and and in a lot of ways, to me, it doesn't make up for the performance against a, a, a Richmond, um, which was uh, which was which was pretty ordinary a couple of weeks ago. But I think I think for us, it was important to get over a team that you know. It, Geelong and Collingwood went down two different paths at the end of 2011. Geelong kept trying to build towards another another premiership while Collingwood rebuilds. That's been much documented. Um, but I think it's fair to say that our process is will we'll yield results. Um, it just might take a bit longer. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think I had a real fear of us, you know, just falling away for the last couple of weeks and um, – you know, finishing with a real dead feeling going into the preseason, uh, just remembering some really bad losses. So I think it was really important that we got ourselves back on and got that positivity to leave the season with, with that sort of feel that we are building something and there, you know, the results are coming. Not enough yet, but it's a step in the right direction. What I loved about the game, and I'm always a, always a, a fan of the hard stuff in the game. Uh, seven of our players with over five tackles in the game, whereas Geelong only had three in that category. Greenwood, Dugowie and Grundy, the on-ball brigade, uh, had 24 tackles between them. That's that's huge. You know, that's that's good pressure football. They were, and Greenwood, you saw why we wanted to get Greenwood, but, geez, Dugowie, when he, for an 18-year-old kid, when he tackles, I mean... He picked up Joel Selda, that tackle in the middle of the ground early in the game, and and just held him flat, you know. And it's it's so as he Joel Selwood's not an easy man to tackle. On Dugowie, he's going to be a monster for tackling. And it was and and, and on Dugowie for a moment, you know, I've started to see you know a lot of the a lot of the signs that it made him such a highly rated draft pick. You know, a couple of weeks ago against Sydney, that ball being smothered the wherewithal to grab the ball again and have the second shot. Like that, there's little elements to his game that, that scream uh, a little bit of X factor in the middle, but you know, he, he is blue collar. Um, and, and I think, uh, I think he could, he could develop into a, a Selwood like player for us uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the, that's the mix that he, he has done things that, that exactly that goal against the Swans. Uh, a couple of times he's taken marks running backwards or, where you know he's just snatched balls from places you wouldn't expect them to be easily marked, so he he does those few special things that makes you say, well, this kid's got a bit extra talent here, but then he's got the the, the big hard game as well. 
One of the small talking points throughout the week, and I consider it relatively small when it comes from Jason Dunstall, um, is this idea about trading Travis Cloak whilst he has value. We saw on the weekend, and this is the point of reference for most of these uh, these experts, that you know we had a, a good spread of goal kickers, um, were fairly unpredictable going forward uh, as a result of, of Trav not being there. How does that sit with you, and, and, and where do you see the big man in, uh, in, in the future plans? Oh, I, I think, it's, as Buckley said, it's laughable. I mean, he's he's a contested marking beast. He, well, Yes, we need our balance better, but that doesn't involve losing him. And the two things that make me laugh is if he's on the eight to 9,000, 900,000 we're talking about, and I think he's still got two years left on that contract. Yep. He's, if To trade him, the only way he goes, if is if someone's paying him that money. He's not going to say to someone, well, I'll forego that contract. So he's got the contract. He's going yeah. to get paid that much money. So if he's not performing, no one's going to pay him. And if he's performing, then we want to keep him. So I can't see I can't see a circumstance where, where a trade like that would happen. And, and look, even if a trade like that did happen, I, I look at I look at the way that we, we play and the way our list is developed. This isn't an addition by subtraction situation. We're not going to get better by removing Travis Cloak permanently. And people who think that have got some they've got a short memory span. You look at the, the Melbourne game um, where he didn't play, the West Coast game where he was obviously subbed off and we were bereft um, mm. of structure. In the Melbourne game, uh, Alex Fasolo was the tall target leading out a full forward. Mm. And it, I think it's, it's a little bit naive to say that Travis Cloak's worth is purely measured in goals. Yeah, and I think the, the rest of it is that all those structures built around him, which we've we've lacked. We've lacked Ben Reid in the team. We've lacked giving uh, Jesse White the role that he was recruited for at the third tall. We've got a young Darcy Moore coming on who needs protection and doesn't need to spend his second and third game, which he did as as the number one go to player. Yeah. So. Uh, our whole our whole structures are built around Cloak, and we need a guy like him. And and if we can get all those things into place and working, then the the whole will be a fantastically better thing. Absolutely. Also, the weekend saw a bit of a role reversal for uh, the young Ben Reed. Um, came back obviously playing full forward and being that tall target. What do you think about his game on the weekend? Uh, I thought I thought he reminded of, of what a beautiful kick he is out of the back line. And um, uh, so he, his kicking is still very, very good. You know, he's, he's that 50 to 60 metre spearing kick and two placement is great. Uh, I can see, I know why everyone loves him on the back line. I love him there too. But uh, I still think uh, if, we can, if we can develop that um, Reed cloak and uh, Darcy Moore or White, Board line. I just, I just want to see what happens when that is given a prolonged run. Absolutely, and, and look, I, I think it's, I think that people are taking a lot of the back half of the year sort of out of context. Um, we have conceded some big scores, but we haven't been pummeled by a lot of teams. Richmond is the exception um, to what has otherwise been a fairly stingy, miserly defence. Mm. Um, I think West Coast at the end of the team and Adelaide probably early on, they probably got a hold of us um, and neither team really did the damage that they probably should have. Um, but realistically, the defence has actually been, 
I think, one of our better points throughout the majority of the year without uh, Reed down there, without any real experience. Yeah, oh, I agree with you. And I think they can only get better. One one person I think that's probably been a bit unfairly maligned in recent weeks is Jack Frost because there's no doubt he's he's dropped off, but he's a 44-game key position backman who's really only had two full seasons in now. He would be a classic person in, in he's about to take in the next year or two become a much bigger, stronger, more experienced player and therefore do his role much better. So people are sort of almost saying, well, he's had his time now. I would see him as someone who's who would be a really important step-up player if he can do it. Now, it's, he's far from a write-off as far as I'm concerned. And Marsh, much less experienced. And so there's so much to look forward to from those guys developing. Matt Scharenberg is one that's dividing opinion. Um, I didn't think he had a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. And you look at his stats and people are very quick to point out no tackles, no freeze for, no freeze against, indicating that maybe he's not doing all he can. Um, Is this just a natural part of, of... Maybe he's developing. Is it a role that you think he's being asked to play, or um, is he lacking a, an edge uh, for your liking? I, I think the, if look, we all because we've got massive expectations on what we want to see out of him. My view is we we all want to see him do what you mentioned that the goey has done. You know, take a, a special mark, cut through a play in a special way, and create something special. And just say, all right, we can see why this kid's so highly rated. I think he's playing a little bit of bruise-free footy. I think it's not a huge problem because he's missed so much footy that just having him out really there is a is a good thing. The fact that he's back, but you know, to for to declare him as a special talent going forward, yeah, we need to wait to see those special things happening. We're not seeing it yet. I don't see it as a major problem, but he's. He still has to earn his spot. I don't think he's a he's a lock into the twenty two by any means. And when Ramsey, Langdon, Williams, Sinclair, there's a whole lot of guys vying for the same position. He's he has to come out next year and say, well, this is my I'm I've now stepped up against above you guys because I'm just a naturally better footballer. That's what we want him to do. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, good time as any now to touch on uh, the VFL um, finals this weekend. Um, big elimination final against Werribee. Um, this is more important, I think, than, than a lot of supporters uh, actually give credit to because it's it, this is this is quite a big thing for Dale Tapping. Yeah, Dale Tapping's been to been to finals before with the club, um, but this is really an indication. Of, of where we've come as a side. It's really a test of our depth. You saw a team like the Bulldogs go through and win it all last year um, in, I think, their second season of, of having their own VFL team. Um, and we've had two elimination final losses in a, in a very similar period of time. Um, this, this is a good way for us to indicate, and indicate our development and really stamp uh, some authority in this competition. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think finals, VFL finals, it's like any competition. Once you get to finals, everything steps up. For our young guys, it's another great stepping stone, a learning thing. I think you go back and look at a lot of those 2010 premiership players played in a uh, in uh, Williamstown's premiership team 
uh, you know, a few years before that. Um, yeah. you know, your Maxwells, I think even Swanee may have. Um, there's quite a few of them that played in in that time, and it, it's just a, a really important development step. So I think you know they'll be taking it ultra seriously, and to win a premiership at that level is just going to stand you in good stead if you can do it or win a couple of finals. It's just great experience, great development. And and I think it's good for, for even extending the, the the length of the season a little bit for for some of the guys who look they may have gotten the chance to have a run at AFL level, but you know when the season ends this week. You know, for the AFL side, if we get a win, a guy like Scharenberg can still step down into the VFL and impose himself on that level. Ben Reid could still get fitness into his body. You know, there's a, there is a case for saying some of these guys might need a bit of cotton wool and end the season a bit prematurely. But I think for the guys that have faced these long spells on the sidelines, yeah. um, a little bit more continuity in their football to finish the season um, is only a positive. Yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't thought of it like that, but I imagine a a bloke like Scharenberg, you know, because his confidence has to be something that needs rebuilding. But I'm sure he could go back and say after a few AFL games, all right, I'm ready to really pull a VFL game apart. And what better time to go back and finish your season by starring in a one or two or three, hopefully, VFL finals, you know. And, and that would really set him up then for his for his next uh, pre-season. Absolutely. Uh, 12.10 p.m. Northport Oval. Uh, shame it can't be at Victoria Park. Um, yeah. It is our home final, I believe. Um, but, look, it is, uh, it's, it, it's, it's going to be a big day. And uh, it will also be live on Channel 7 um, from, from 12 o'clock. So go in and, mm. and, uh, and, be, and be in tune with it. And uh, if you can, get down and support the team because it's, it's, it should be a hell of a game. Yeah, I think while there's money to be made and you can't close off Vic Park and make people pay to get in, we won't see any finals there. Yeah, I I I think that's I think you're right. I think it, it's a shame, but mm. uh, but that's uh, that's certainly uh, quite accurate. Just want to talk about general AFL news for a second. Um, there's been some official word on the scrapping of the sub rule um, in the last day or two. I didn't like the rule to begin with. I thought it was that it came in at an inopportune time. Um, but there's been a lot of, I don't know, I guess a bit of disharmony about the way it's being uh, removed and what, what, what changes that might cause to, to, to the way the game is approached. Yeah, look, I think, I think it's negatives well outweigh its positives. And it's just, a, it's just an ugly look to have some poor kids sitting, you know, Ben Kennedy, for instance, being slaughtered by that rule. Um, and I just think it's a hindrance to coaches. The only the only real plus I can see, and what part of why they brought it in was that idea. Well, when you go down by one injury, you're you're automatically behind the other side. Whereas with the sub rule, you know you can take your injured player off and you're still running on the same number of subs as they are. But I think overall the um, that just having that player sitting there twiddling their thumbs, and because it tends to be a young kid, it's just a bad look. Um, reducing the rotations at the same time. Well, you can see where they're coming from, but I'm not sure if it's necessary myself. Look, I think I think it's I think it's really I think it's really interesting that they've chosen this time to to, to limit the rotations and to and to do it this way. I, look, I I have a fairly negative view of the rules committee to be honest I sometimes feel like they they change things for the sake of it um, 
and I, I can't see the purpose in a lot of the decisions they make. I, I remember quite clearly in the late 2000s, them implementing rules to try and speed up the game, but then evidently it became too quick and we must slow it down. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I can honestly see this the, you know, the change in rule and the, and the restriction of rotations being quite detrimental to the way the game looks. Um, and realistically, if they're talking about from a fan's point of view, um, and even from a player health point of view, I don't know what the, the 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 medicine or the science behind it is, but I can only imagine if you're fatiguing someone more than you know, they should be, or they're spending more time out on ground, it, it can't be good for for, for their muscles or for um, yeah, instances of uh, you know, tearing or or um, soft tissue injury. But for 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 me, I, I just think that. You know, it's it's interesting timing, and, and and I don't think I don't know if it'll be as much of a positive to to remove the sub as everyone thinks it will be, long term. The other the only other one that I like, the other thing I do like about it going, is for the ruckman. You know, I think it really does give you a lot more scope to have a ruckman sitting on the bench for part of the time, rather when when you it was hard to do because if he took one of the three spots, there was only two rotations. Gives you that extra spot rotating, gives you a bit, bit of a more of a chance. You know, Wits and Grundy, it could benefit them. For, for instance, yeah. see, in a perfect world, the way and I was thinking about this today, I wondered if we had our four, you know, rotations as we usually did, and then in the event of an injury, you could get an independent assessment on the player. And I know that that that's obviously fraught with mm. so many issues because. You know, who's the independent assessment going to be done by and what sort of, you know, what means are you going to use to determine if a player is significantly or, you know, injured or not. But in the event of an injury, then you could use a sub and then your sub could be one of your three emergencies, which adds a bit more intrigue to the game because then you can legitimately, you know, influence the game depending on which player you put on. There's a bit of mystery. You know, it, I, I was thinking about it in that way, but... I think any way you cut it, um, it, it, it's fraught with complication. Mm. The only other thing with cutting the number of rotation, the only other benefit it will, it will have is in saying, I can see what they want to slow the game down, but it will have that sort of benefit of, of, of saying, well, we've only got so many, so we'll, we'll spread the rotations a little bit more and we can afford to mix and match a bit. We can afford to have a, a, a ruckman have a good rest while we sort of, you know, because we're not going to be manically changing every moment, and the guy, the other guys will take up the slack by just staying out a bit longer each. So, mm. you know, there'll be some benefits. It's a look, it's like one of those things that you have to put it into action and see where the pros and cons are in a way. Because coaches will work something else to do with it. The the one thing I wonder is how how these things end up affecting things like recruitment and the way that teams prepare for a season. Because for the last four years, teams have been preparing for one less player on the bench, mm, and yeah. you've had to you've had to train your athletes a certain way. And, and and to be honest, I mean, again, you look at look at the way that 2010 and then 2011 played out for us. Introduction of the sub rule changed the way that we went about our rotations. It had to. Mm. Um, was it a hindrance? Well, if you look at the season as a whole, shit, we played pretty well. But. You know, it, it, from that point on, the focus on on the, on the way that you you work and you develop your players drastically altered. And and as of this year, it changes again. It has to. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. you're right. Yeah, so it's 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 got a lot of uh, permutations. 
it's now uh, it's now five nil uh, for uh, Australia over Bangladesh. Impressive. Um, let's shift our attention to this weekend's game: Collingwood Essendon, the old foes in probably a game that, to quote our captain Scott Penderbury, probably doesn't mean a lot. Um, no, sorry, I had to take that one out of context again, but you know, <laughs> anything to quote the great man and be more like him. Um, but it, it is it is going to be an interesting game if if for the fact that you know there's a few uh, a few changes for each side it could be a bit of a showcase for some of the younger guys um, and that's pretty much what I'm tuning in for to be honest. What about yourself? I I, I hope to, I hope Ben King gets a full game because I think he'd just like to finish his season off with a full game. Um, good year, good to see him get named on the bench but you'd think that's just an encouragement vote so he probably won't be in Oxley gets another chance and I think you know he's had a really impressive season if you think where he came from the year before I I didn't have him penciled in to play most games which he's done so yeah you're right see the young blokes but I also want to see smash Essendon because I just like seeing Essendon get smashed absolutely it it feels it's it's on par with um, the cesspool that is Brisbane, um, and the laughing the laughing stock that is Carlton, as a general rule, for the last decade. Um, th- those three for me are just that. You know, watching them suffer is really highlights of my year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, uh, long may Carlton suffer forever. They're, they're always, for me, they're always the one. Uh, I just uh, I can't envisage a time when I could see any benefit from that stopping for them, and may they <laughs> suffer forever. And while we're at it, actually, may as well may, may Essendon suffer forever. I don't know that dirty on the line, so maybe just for a millennium. <laughs> <laughs> just to shift, just to shift away. So we'll get we will get back to the game and, and look and look at a few things we're looking forward to. But just to shift to the lines, just for a second. Um, the news coming out of there obviously isn't positive um, for them mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of their players. It, it, it must speak to a deeper cultural issue at the club um, than than just a bunch of guys not wanting to play there. If if it is in fact that Redden wants to leave, um, and Aish is obviously rumoured to leave, there's and then there's, tonight there's been Sam Mays as apparently wants to leave as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean these are this is. This is um, it, it's it's tragic for them, um, and you know whilst I mean considering all the considering all the uh, all the, the the BS from last year and uh, and Dane Beams, it's very easy to point the finger and say well up yours, but you know this is this this isn't a, this isn't a great scene for uh, for Queensland football uh, and for the Lions. Oh, it's disastrous, really. And uh, the other thing that was just up recently, just this evening, is Craig Kelly has got two of his second and third year players that are going to chuck it in. There's a right. Hasn't announced who that is, but whether Mays is one of them. But the other thing on the board tonight was we're hoping it's not Ben Kennel Broomy, but I couldn't see that being the case. But well, it's a the, of his kids though. Well, that's that, and then that 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 would be look that'd be awful to hear because whatever circumstances brought a player to uh, want to quit the game. Um, you know, is is incredibly unfortunate. You certainly hope it's nothing untoward, or you know, the player's been become disenchanted by something that's happening at the club. Um, but I, th- I I think that you know, 
if if we're talking about Brisbane as 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 a as as, as a model for this, if it is indeed someone like Sam Mays um, who is interested in quitting the game of football, and it is something to do with the club up there. It, it, yeah, there are bigger problems than just having a few talented kids leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they've got problems. I mean, they've they've just been a, a, a you know a, a developing basket case with Voss and Lepic and whatever's happening up there. It's just not being done properly. Well, for their sake, I'd like to see them. Well, I'm sure they'd like to see themselves right the ship um, yeah. at some point. Just hopefully not while Dane Beams is associated with them. Um, Back to the game. Um, look, it is going to be interesting. I don't think the Bombers or us. I think I don't think the Bombers are as bad as they appear to be as a team. I've looked at their list, and you know that there are holes and there are age there are age gaps, um, but they've certainly underperformed this year. They should be better next year. We certainly should improve. What are a couple of things that you're really looking forward to seeing uh, from our last game? Oh, I I think just a continuation of last week's. Uh, Development. I think I, I would reckon it'd be pretty strong that Bucks will go with that um, that centre square change from last week because it worked so well. And to see to, if we can sort of go in and think, you know, Greenwood, um, Taylor Adams, and uh, Tagui and Crisp, sort of being our main centre square players for a, a game or two, is just great for their development. And it gives an extra string next year to the bow, a few extra strings to be able to say, you know. All these guys can go through. It makes a very strong midfield group. Mm. Um, as you mentioned, our our young defenders getting more time. Um, Marsh, um, I, I want to see Marsh get more of the ball because what he what he's done so far looks so good, and I'm uh, I'm really very much on his bandwagon. Shaz hopefully can uh, can just show us a little trick. So that's mm. what I'd really like to see a trick from Shaz. Yeah, something something a little bit extra that we uh, a that bit we special. haven't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's um, that could uh, that could very very well be uh, on the cards. Look, for me, it, it is a case of seeing that midfield combination again. That should be the the hardcore Adams Greenwood uh, to goey crisp. You know, we don't need to. I don't think I don't think there's anything to be gained on this Sunday from seeing Pendles. No. Domin- dominate in the midfield. I don't think, to me, there's anything that that can be improved in that regard. So let's let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can you know, run with that younger group in the middle to see what they can do. Hopefully, Ter Essendon, um, an absolute new one. I also want to see um, Darcy stand up oh, again. Yeah. And and, and Pend- not- Pendles off the half back line again, and to yeah. see if they decide to do what. Uh, Young Chris Scott did, and just let him have a free reign back there. That'd be nice again for him. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> he must have felt so good about that, especially considering that he's probably been battling an injury for mm. the better part of the year, just to have a little, a little spell away from the centre square. So, uh, look, look, catch the ball here and there. <laughs> look, it should be. It, look, if nothing else, it should be an entertaining game to watch. Um, I certainly hope so, but. Um, yeah, look, not a lot to play for, which is a shame, but uh, obviously a lot to look forward to. Yep, yeah. Yep, I think that's well surmised. We shall call it an evening there. Um, it has it has been good chatting. We will be back next week to do, uh, do a review show and hopefully 
a preview for uh, another VFL final. Um, with any luck, uh, there will be uh, a, a, a lot to a lot to discuss, and, and, and still a lot more to look forward to in the season. TD's rant coming up, which should be great news. And also, I think next week we'll look at doing um, a bit of a preview for the uh, trade period. Um, look at some targets, maybe some players that we can look at bringing in. GC, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Very enjoyable. Yes, and uh, hopefully another Magpies win on the weekend to close out the season. Yeah, go Pies. Go Pies. This is the Mighty T signing out. Hello, this is Trade Drafts Round 23 rant, the last one of the year, which is very, very sad because there's going to be no more footy after this week. Though maybe in the VFL, if the VFL win, and we might get another week uh, that which hopefully comes because it's going to be sad when we have to wait, say, six months to the next game. It's going to be very, very sad. It's going to be that we've got trade period coming up for that and draft that which keep us interested for a while. But now on to the rant. Well, the rant is, is how great we responded versus Geelong after our humiliating, smashing being smashed by Richmond because 91 points is not good enough, but we responded marvellously. We played a lot better brand of footy, a lot more, a lot more skilled. We used the ball a hell of a lot better everywhere, hand, foot, where in Richmond we were missing targets, not kicking straight. Hey, we kicked 7-1 in the first quarter for goal. God, that helps the conference kicking 7-1 instead of kicking like 3-8. Confidence building skills are better. And that's a great thing I saw from Bucks. He played the kids in important positions. Remember, Maltash used to do that with good effect. So, so in the middle, we saw Degoe, Adams, and Crisp, all 21 and under, played big roles and big parts of defeating the Pussycats. Midfield made them look quite weak. In fact, Greenwood took... Sell out of the game and they had no one else in the midfield. You can almost say the Richmond game had, was a loss we had to have because it gave the players a kick up the arse and saying, no, we had to put in. Because maybe the uh, close losses weren't quite getting the message across where a thumping got to him and it worked. Oh well, well, we we're playing Eston in the last quarter, the, how I like to call them, the peptide bummers because they're the old drugs. So um, I will hopefully absolutely give them a hiding and a half to finish the season on a high, high note. Then after that, we'll get into trade period that will come in about after September. And I may or may not do a rant on that or do podcasts on that. So, well, we'll see you when I see you. Bye.